it is not that the world hasn't had more carbon dioxide it is not that the world hasn't been warmer the problem is the speed at which things are changing we are inducing a sixth mass extinction event kind of by accident and we don't want to be the extinct said by bill nye the science guy welcome back listeners to the new episode of talking climate change with yashnagi this is episode number 18 and in this episode we will talk about anthropogenic emissions i hope you are doing well and good in during these times and my best wishes are to you that you do well in your life so let us continue so anthropogenic carbon emissions as we all know that are the emissions of various forms carbon the most concerning being carbon dioxide associated with human activities climate change caused by increasing anthropogenic emissions of greenhouse gases which is co2 ch4 n2o cfcs etc etc represents the most serious environmental issue in the history of mankind these activities include the burning of fossil fuel deforestation land use changes livestock fertilization etc that result in a net increase in emissions a major concern is the emission of co2 which is carbon dioxide a type of greenhouse gas which contributes to global warming and ocean acidification co2 and other compounds of carbon are exchanged throughout carbon pools in the global carbon cycle the natural carbon cycle as we know is kept in a near perfect balance however human emissions are input into the cycle which cause a net increase in concentration of carbon in the atmosphere soil and oceans methane which is ch4 carbon dioxide and black carbon are all present in the atmosphere and each have varying effects on the planet the amount of each of these in the atmosphere has been increasingly rapidly the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere has increased by 40% since the industrial era and methane by about 150% these levels had been relatively stable for around 10000 years prior to this scientists have had to work hard to show that climate change is caused by the greenhouse gas that humans emit part of the reason that this was tricky is that nature does emit nearly 20 times more co2 in, into the atmosphere than humans do but it is the new carbon that humans introduce that changes the amount of carbon in the system there are many scientific methods that allow for the me- measurement of human emissions two of which will be talked about will be we will talk about so the first method is the investigation of carbon a radioactive isotope of carbon which is 14c is found naturally in atmospheric co2 however it is not present in fossil fuel that humans extract from underground this is because fossil fuel were formed millions of years ago far longer than the half life of 14c which is t1 by 2 equals to 5730 years meaning that all of the 14c has decayed away this means that carbon emitted by these fuels does not contain any 14c by measuring levels of 14c and co2 over time it is found that the vast majority of excess co2 does not contain 14c and therefore can be attributed to fossil fuels the second method relates to changes in atmospheric oxygen levels it is employed in order to determine 
whether this ex excess CO2 is indeed from human fossil fuel or if it is instead from the likes of volcanic eruptions. This method works of, of basic hydrocarbon combustion knowledge. When a fossil fuel is burned, its hydrocarbon consume oxygen in order to give off energy along with water vapor and carbon dioxide. Therefore, oxygen levels are expected to decrease when human burn fossil fuel and when measuring levels over time, it is found that they do the amounts of which are in accordance, you know, uh, with the measured carbon dioxide level. So if the emissions were instead dominantly from, from volcano, there would be no measured decrease in atmospheric, atmospheric oxygen level. Let us talk about the another topic which is the effect of N2 emission on the net CO2 displacement by energy crop production. So the increase in the atmospheric concentration of CO2 is mainly due to anthropogenic emissions created by example the use of fossil fuel. A way to reduce the net CO2 emission is the use of energy crops for combustion in power plants. However, agricultural management of the energy crops implies a potential risk of emission of the greenhouse gas nitrous oxide which is N2O from the soil. The net greenhouse effect of N2O per unit mass is estimated to about 320 times greater than CO2. Human influence on the climate system is clear and recent anthropogenic emissions of greenhouse gases are the highest in the history. To limit global warming, politicians around the world discuss agreements and strategies to decline greenhouse gas emission and promote more sustainable development. In respect of climate change mitigation, the energy sector plays an especially important role. So global economic growth has led to rapidly rising energy demand over the past decade. Today, about 80% of the global energy sources from fossil fuel in the energy sector is responsible for a major part of the global greenhouse gas emission. Hence, there is an urgent need to reconsider the provision and use of energy and its resources. Globally, a major amount of final energy consumption takes place with agglomeration areas in which there is located a high density of population and corresponding infrastructure. Due to progressing urbanization processes, the number of people living in cities is continuously rising. Thus, cities have increasingly gained the attention of researchers, planners and policymakers, and it has long been recognized that community actors and local government play a key role in the field of energy. On the one hand, they have to ensure the energy supply for a growing urban population and infrastructure. On the other hand, community actors and local government can be important in the contribution of creating support for catalyzing the necessary changes in energy action such as promoting energy efficiency, behavior change and the use of renewable energies. The German Advisory Council on Global Change which is also known as WBGU, described the process of remodeling the economy and society towards sustainability as a, quote, this great transformation. This considers reducing greenhouse gas emissions and developing low carbon societies by changing production, consumption patterns and lifestyles. To achieve these objectives, public decision maker must set priorities for the transformation. It is also very crucial to offer participation to citizens and allow choices for the economy regarding decisions facing sustainable development. Promoting the transition from carbon-based energy consumption to renewable energy use and sustainability 
implies the Im involvement of multiple actors and institution by addressing different issues, values, and worldviews. Local authorities face various challenges implementing in this into practice. So there is still a lack of understanding regarding how local actors, citizen, community, organization, and local government should best cooperate to promote the energy transition and how related strategies and action can be governed and implemented in cities. Let us talk about the nitrogen oxide formation and control. So nitrogen oxide emission total about 13 million short tons in 2013 with stationary fuel combustion accounting for approximately 29% of the total anthropogenic emissions. Of this, approximately 3.7 million short tons electric generating utilities are the largest source of nitrogen oxide emissions compared to industry which electric utilities accounting for 50% or 1.8 million short tons of all nitrogen oxide emissions. Nitrogen oxide emissions have however decreased approximately 72% for the period 1990 to 2013 prior due to controls implemented under Europe under EPS acid rain and CAIR nitrogen oxide program. Nitrogen oxide formation mechanisms are reviewed. So followed by technology used to control nitrogen oxide emissions. Let us now discuss about the environmental impact. The environmental impact of fouling in refineries has been estimated as being responsible for 88 million tons of CO2 accounting for 2.5% of all worldwide anthropogenic emissions in 2009. Cap and trade regulations such as Emission Trading Scheme ETS enforced in Europe gave a tag value to each ton of CO2 emitted by the refinery, adding to the total cost of fouling. According to ETS regulations, each installation is allocated allowance for emission of carbon dioxide. If the refinery exceeds the allocated allowance, it must buy extra ones in the market. The reverse is also true. If the allocated allowance is not, not reached, the excess allowance can be sold. Ecological aspects involve also the disposal of carbonaceous deposits formed on the heat transfer surfaces, which can be substantial. To illustrate the quantity of deposit that must be removed from the PHT of a refinery, Murphy and Campbell in 1992 considered a refinery processing 27,000 tons per day of crude that contains 0.05% of what they call sediments and 10 parts per million of salt, which is PPM. The potential deposits each year are 5,000 tons of sediments and 100 tons of salt. More optimistically, Watkins in 2005 assumed that only one part per million by weight of the oil were deposited producing 15 tons per year of solid carbonaceous material in a 300,000 BBL per day refinery. These deposits can contain sulfur, nitrogen and metals and must be disposed in an adequate way. So that brings us to the end of this podcast in which we will finally conclude it about anthropogenic emissions. So the IPCC scientists have reported that the evidence of global warming is unequivocal. They also reported that anthropogenic emissions are very likely to have caused the warming. 
policymakers around the world are calling for massive reductions in CO2 emissions to reduce the risk of global warming. Achieving these reductions will be a century-long challenge. Meeting this challenge in the long term will require continuation and expansion of research and development, which is also, also known as R&D, on carbon-free technologies such as carbon capture and sequestration. Meeting the challenge in the short term will require a mix of regulation and economic incentives to encourage investment in existing technologies. A carbon tax or a carbon market could provide the needed economic incentives and there are good reasons for either policy. Policymakers in Europe and the United States are leaning toward carbon markets to provide the economic incentive. The ETS is nearing the end of a test period and several cap and trade proposals are under consideration in the United States Congress. Many believe the United States will soon adopt a mandatory carbon market at the federal level. Meanwhile, several states and regions are moving ahead with their own carbon reduction initiatives. The industry could lead the way in the cutting CO2 emissions during the 10-20 years following the adoption of mandatory carbon markets. The reduced emissions will come largely from a reduction in conventional coal-fired generation. The reduction in coal generation could be replaced by a combination of fuel switching, demanding reduction, and investment in renewable generation technologies that exist today. Thank you listeners to listening to my podcast. It really means a lot to me that you give so much valuable time to listen to my podcast. It really means a lot to me that you support so much and this support means everything to me. You guys are a true inspiration for me. Without you, it wasn't possible to even upload new episode of podcast. It really means a lot to me. Thank you, everyone. Be safe. Have fun. God bless you, everyone. And I will catch you guys up in a new episode of Talking Climate Change with Yashnegi.